Awesome. Thanks, Ivan. Too cool. It's really, really good um, to be up here in December. Um, you'll notice over the whole December period, we're taking a little bit of extra time to celebrate our different ministries, the different parts of us um, that make up FGA as we wind down on our programs and become a whole lot more uh, relational. Okay, Father, thank you for your word um, that has been given to us that has lasted thousands of years and will last for eternity. So, Lord, even as I share on the Beatitudes today, help it not to be my own voice, but yours that comes out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, Jordan's going to do my slides? Great. Uh, you know, we're in the happy series and we're looking at the Beatitudes. One of the reasons why we did that video uh, before, Do You Want to Be Happy, um, is one... It, was the 2015 Christian Song of the Year last year. Um, but also, it really, it asks this question, um, what are we doing to be happy? Because it's a rhetorical question. Everyone wants to be happy. And so we solve it in a range of different ways, right? Whether it be through alcohol, substance, or taking it out on other people, or bottling it up so that it explodes. There's a whole industry created around people trying to chase happiness. In fact, um, St. Augustine actually puts it like this. Uh, next slide. Every man, whoever, whatsoever his condition, desires to be happy. I mean, thousands of years ago, people were writing that. And today, we see that more than ever. Uh, just to recap, it, we have our sermon last week up on our website. So you can listen to it. But we introduced the Beatitudes. And one of the ways you can look at the Beatitudes is whenever you see the word blessed or blessed, we're trying to translate that, that word makarios as truly happy. Because I think what's happened in today's day and age is when we say blessed, you know, you go to your average friend at school or at work and you say, do you want to be blessed? They'll, they think religious. They think um, Mother Mary, Blessed Virgin Mary. They think maybe I don't want to be blessed if it's blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry. Maybe I'll opt out of being blessed. But what you have to understand is in Jesus' time, in the Jewish tradition, when you said blessed, it was universal. It's everybody wanted to be blessed. It's like, as I was saying last week, when you say happy Chinese New Year, the Chinese translation is wishing you wealth and prosperity. Right? It, it is a greeting that embeds into that culture so much that everybody, it's just understood. In Western terms, everyone wants to be happy. So we say Happy New Year. In Asian terms, everyone wants to be just wealthy and pros prosperous, so wishing you wealth and prosperity. In Jewish terms, everybody wanted to be blessed, and so you would say, 
Blessed. That's how we get to Jesus giving us the keys to how can we be truly happy. And that makes it so much harder to read the Beatitudes because now you have to go, truly happy are the poor. Oh my goodness. Truly happy are you who are hungry now. Uh, what, what does that mean for us? You know, um, last week we looked at, uh, so let's read uh, Luke 6, 20 to 23, because every week I want to make sure that we're, Scripture is front and center. Okay, next slide. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you, so listen to that word blessed, that's truly happy. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Next. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. You know, we call this Beatitudes series uh, the Beatitudes for today because the things that are listed up in this verse, they've become big, big deals in today's generation, even like take this last one, which we're going to deal with on Christmas Day when, you know, Jesus himself was rejected and couldn't find a place to um, stay. But this last one even, how important are friends today? There is an entire industry off of relational connection and social networking. Like, it's huge. So much so that people tell me they're so affected when they don't get enough likes on their Instagram post or when they don't have enough f- friends, you know, uh, on their network. And, and yet this was written before the age of Facebook. I think why the Beatitudes, like I was just chatting with somebody before the service. I read five books in preparation for to this, uh, this sermon series, right? But Spurgeon, C.S. Lewis, a range of other authors have been writing for thousands of years on the Beatitudes. Why is it that there are some truths in here that after generation after generation after generation can read this, comment this, and go, oh my goodness, this is gold. That's what we're going to be um, touching on today. Uh, last week we did Blessed are the Poor, right? Um, Tim Costello, the ex-CEO of World Vision, I read his book um, last year, really, really great book, but he says this about poverty. I hear song and dance and respect for the land. He's talking about when he did his trips to Africa. I see children kicking a Coke bottle and having as much joy as our kids with all of their gadgets. It often surprises me to think that there is more joy with the poor than in our societies where we have solved the economic challenge of supply. I want to put it to you that just having stuff and solving the issue of supply of things is not all there is in this world for true happiness. In fact, in this list in the Beatitudes, you'll see that Jesus doesn't list anything. There's no thing. Blessed are you if you've got a good house. Blessed, like there's no, nothing makes you happy. No thing makes you happy, right? Um, In fact, Spurgeon says, there's a deeply humiliating truth with humanity. And that is, we're all poor. 
We're born poor and we're going to die poor. It's deeply humiliating because the things that we accumulate don't go with us. Um, and I love how the Beatitudes starts with blessed are you who are poor. Because, and we, we talked about this last week. We talked about how blessed are you who are poor leads to the kingdom of God, right? And what's great about the emphasis, if we go to the next slide, you'll see that Jesus chooses to focus on not what I have, but what I have not. Right? So by saying blessed are the poor, it, it goes instead of I've got this, I've got this, and I can make my way to heaven, which was a lot of the religious sentiment of that day. I can do this. I've paid my offering. I've done my this. Right? I have this. I have righteousness. I have all of these things. But Jesus began with what you have not. You're poor. In fact, Romans, which we did as a book for this year, begins with we are all sinners. And really, I don't think anyone can enter into the kingdom of God. People can't, we all can't comprehend what great value there is in the kingdom of God. If we first don't understand, we can't re we're not rich enough to achieve that. Otherwise, it's not even that value. Anybody can get it. I think that's why blessed are the poor is such a big, amazing um, introduction. Being poor makes you happy because you turn to God. You recognize the true state that all are poor. So it means even if you think you're rich, you're not rich enough to make it to God. I need to do a disclaimer because I didn't have time for disclaimers last week. There has been in history an entire movement of Christians that have taken that and said, oh, oh, that, that means um, God actually wants us to be poor, right? And, and, and that poverty in and of itself is godliness. That's not it. Because you can make poverty your God. However complicated that sounds, it's been done and it's true. That people can go, look at me, I'm so devout, I'm so poor, I'm so hungry, I have fasted for a thousand days or whatever it is, and that becomes the thing. And so you don't get into this place of I have not and I need God. You go, I've done it, I have it. And now I'm right. So that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about Jesus highlighting the fact that you can't get the kingdom of God if you think you are rich in your own right. Poor in spirit is what you need, which is what Matthew talks about. And today, we're going to talk about being hungry. Um, so, uh, one, uh, one of the reasons why I uh, picked a semi- dodgy video uh, while the kids are leaving and the kids are gone, um, is this series, and I know Christmas is this kind of season where everybody just says nice things, and, 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 and if you do a series that's called, you know, Do You Want to Be Happy?, it's very easy for us to just gloss over the whole topic, just smile, you're going over to grandmother's house, everybody be happy, or at church, let's just do something fun and happy. I, I'm keen, though, to... Um, let's not do that this Christmas because 
the whole world could actually do with more real, genuine, true happiness. Okay? And so let's ask some of these tough questions. Let's ask some real questions. Um, next slide. Here are two questions that if you haven't thought of it yet, I'm sure it will play in your mind as we go through this series. Here are the two that we're going to answer today. Can you be happy without God? That's a big question. I think it's a very controversial question. How you answer that can either make you very exclusive, very arrogant, but I think we have to answer, can people even, can, can we be happy without God? What about the, our friend who doesn't know God? Are we, are we like, do we hold a monopoly on happiness? Or the second question, which I think is a little bit more relevant for us, it's a real question that we have to answer. What if following God doesn't make you happy? Right? So you're sitting here. It's a series on happy. Everybody's saying, oh, yeah, happy. God wants us to be truly happy. But in your lifetime, you're not happy. I think these are very real questions that we must be careful in answering, but also we must be truthful in answering. All right, so um, I'm going to try and do that today. The first thing we need to understand is when Jesus addresses um, everybody in the Beatitudes and he talks about food, there are certain things that play on in his audience's mind. One automatically will be the coming banquet that is promised. All right? They, there's a lot of metaphor of food and banquet in the Old Testament. And so they're thinking Isaiah 25, 6 to 9, about this great feast, right? On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, to rich food full of marrow, an aged wine that is well-refined. And, and, and people knew that this feast would only be for the righteous. And oh my goodness, I don't know if we could even make it there, is the thought. It's the, it was the dream, okay? Um, and, 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 and it goes on to say, and he will swallow up this mountain. And you can see the prophecy of Jesus actually on here. That, um, that uh, the veil that is spread over them will be destroyed. He will swallow up death. God will wipe away tears from all of our faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away. For the Lord has spoken. And then the next slide, it says, And it will be said on this day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in a salvation. Um, I think that's in the back of their mind. A little bit ahead in Luke, Jesus is going to talk, he's going to tell a parable again about food and a banquet. Okay? But in this story of the banquet where he goes, there is a rich person and he invites everybody, only the invited guests, the high and mighty, 
can make it into the invitation. However, all of the people, there's a whole bunch of people in the invitation list. They go, oh yeah, you know, I'm invited to this banquet, but I'm good. I don't need that banquet. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And they, they, they give a bunch of excuses. And then the master says in this parable, oh, well, then invite everybody. My banquet is open to anybody who will receive me. And so you've got to understand that when the Beatitudes talks about blessed are you who are hungry now um, and you shall be satisfied, these two images are at play on either side of these Beatitudes. And Jesus is saying, in, the Beatitudes work in so many different layers. Jesus is saying, hey, the gospel, it's open to all. It's available to everybody. You who are poor and you're hungry right now, it's for you too, okay? So that's kind of what's going on in the background. Now I'm going to say three points about hungry. It's actually really funny, but my wife is away in Canberra with my two younger kids, and I had like uh, six girl, five girls sleep over at my house uh, last night. We went to see Moana, the Leeming's home group, right? Anyway, they all wake up in the morning, and, and, and you know me, uh, Roger knows me, I do nothing for breakfast, right? Like, just uh, go to the fridge, get whatever you want. And so all the girls, like, they wake up, and they're like, hey, Dad, what's for breakfast? I'm like, I don't know, go to the fridge. They open the fridge, the bread's moldy, we've run out of this, we've run out of that, and my wife's only been gone for one day. And they're like, they're all sitting in the service now, hungry. I'm like, perfect. You're in the right place for this message. All right. So three points, I know, so well planned. Three points on hunger. And then you heard this testimony of Wei and his home group. They were surviving on $2 a day, and they took it really seriously. So that when we were at staff meeting and we were all eating, you know, like cakes and food, we are like, hey, it's free. Somebody gave it to us. Why don't you eat it? He's like, no, we can't. We can only eat the things that we buy with the $2. Yeah. So anyway. Great. Five days. Okay, point number one is this. Hungry is the opposite of full. All right? Three really obvious points. Again, I'm trying to do this so that all generations can kind of uh, connect with this. But hungry is the opposite of full. When uh, you are hungry, you crave for food even at a base level. In fact, C.S. Lewis says that there is probably nothing quite like hunger and thirst because it's real. We're not talking about, at a very base level, that hits you, right? We're not talking about some kind of ethereal, like how long can you stay hungry? How long can you stay thirsty? At some point, it, you're going to starve to death, Right? Like, so hunger is a very real thing that we all experience. Uh, in fact, if you're doing the $2 a day challenge or if you're fasting, and I, I recommend if you're, if you're growing up in today's generation and you've never fasted, we've got a fasting day coming up next year, but I'd recommend you fast for a while because we live in this environment where supply has been kind of solved. 
And so we, we don't even taste that sensation of what it is to be truly hungry. But, so if you're hungry, that's a real sensation. We all understand what hunger is. And if I preach for an hour, everybody will understand <laughs> what hungry is, right? You know, um, but full means at some level, you no longer have that craving, okay? But full is not the same as satisfied. In the scripture that we read, it says, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Full just means you no longer crave it. You could fill yourself up with a whole bunch of things, and you no longer have that craving, but you're not satisfied. Um, I, I remember eating McDonald's. Um, I've told this story a few times, but there was once I, I went to the, uh, my parents invi got invited to a big dinner, and I thought, oh my goodness, Asian food again. And so I filled up on Maccas before we went, and it turned out it was like a multi-course sushi buffet with all this amazing food and like we went to this hotel and there was this dessert platter and I just I couldn't eat it I just couldn't eat it because I'd filled myself up on nuggets chips and <laughs> you know whatever I don't even know if there's real chicken in the thing okay so we get it right that it's possible for us to fill up our lives with things that ultimately don't satisfy like, people are, you're seeing all these articles. People don't know how to be bored because as soon as they get bored, you're like, oh my goodness, I, I feel a little bit of hunger. i got to fill it up. Give me something to look at. Give me something to, to do. Uh, give me something to eat. Right? And so, we now live in this generation where hunger needs to be satisfied pretty quick. Pretty quick. And that's quite telling because Jesus wrote this thousands of years ago. Okay, so the second thing I want to um, encourage us to do is to live with hunger. You see, when Jesus says, blessed are the poor, uh, blessed are the hungry, I think he's intending to co communicate that at some level in a Christian's life, we will have to live with hunger hunger. Uh, and I want to talk about it in this way. The good things of God are worth staying hungry for. The good things of God are worth waiting for. Even if it means that you're rocking up at church and you're not happy that week, even if it means that you're continually going about your day and you haven't resolved it yet. The good things of God are worth waiting for. The good things such as the fruit of the Spirit, which we're doing as the first series next year. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, you know, self-control and things like that. Character, worth waiting for. Deep, deep friendship. Deep friendship with God. The good things of God. They are worth waiting for. Intimacy. I'm going to use a metaphor, okay? So this is just like 
it's a metaphor just to help everybody connect. Because I, under, I you know, did a lot of young guys here in the room. A good metaphor is relationships. I'll tell you a little bit. Let's be frank today. All right. Um, we live in a generation now where it's commonly understood waiting for marriage. And I'm going to speak in code because there's kids here. Waiting for marriage is like not really a done thing. You know, why would you wait when you can have something now? Right? Uh, and, and you can understand there are certain desires that are just like food. Right? And they drive us at a base level. And so how can it be that God who wants us to be truly happy asks us to wait? That doesn't make sense. Oh, but it does. Because these Beatitudes say, blessed are you who are hungry now. You're waiting for something good. You see that? Because God is not so much interested in your temporary fleeting happiness. He's trying to He's trying to lead us to this place where we are truly happy, where we're not just full, we're satisfied. And so the call is for a greater level of intimacy. The call is for a greater level of reward. And so that means that we may have to wait. We may have to be hungry. At at an epic level, that might mean that in our lifetime, we may not be the happiest people on earth in our lifetime. So David writes these psalms. God, I'm following you faithfully, but my enemy, they're getting fat. They're eating food. They've got, why is this? And yet, I will serve the Lord. That's the glimpse that Jesus is trying to give us when he says, blessed are you hungry. We have to understand that good things are worth waiting for. And as Christians, at some level, we have to live with that hunger, all right? Waiting increases desire. It does. Like, it's just not that exciting if as soon as you're slightly hungry, you eat the food and then, like, we do relationship counseling so often. It can hit a point. When you're just grabbing for stuff that you, like, desire, and you can consume the desire online, you know? Oh, my goodness. I'm trying to be code here. Um, uh, Right? That ultimately, you're not even fulfilled. We're dealing with people who who don't even enjoy um, the intimacy anymore because they've so quickly resolved their hunger because it's easily accessible. So you have to understand that there is some level of truth when Jesus says, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Okay? Three. There is a good kind of hungry. There is a good kind of hungry. In fact, Matthew 5 to 6, which is the parallel of the uh, Beatitudes, right? Um, And Matthew, somebody asked me, why is Matthew longer and why does it say all these extra things instead of Luke? Um, Matthew is a Jewish book. So Matthew writes to a a Jewish audience that understands all the traditions, so he's a bit more long-winded 
with his descriptions. Luke, he's a physician, and he's just trying to get the main points out. So I'm doing the short version with Luke. Okay, but good congruence. We are too easily pleased. Let's, uh, C.S. Lewis says it like this. Um, next slide. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Sometimes we go to God and we go, God, I can't wait any longer. I can't. I, I cannot take this anymore. My desire is too strong. But a, another way to look at it is that our desires are not that they're too strong. They're too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. That means that our desire is for lesser things instead of for greater things. In fact, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Glenn Pakiam, who wrote a book called Lucky, says this, We are too easily pleased, like a man starving in the desert, content to stuff his mouth with sand when a royal banquet table is just ahead. You know, um, in John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. We heard uh, when Pastor Larry came, Jesus was, he shared about Jesus sharing to the Samaritan woman, look, you're thirsty, but if you drink from my well, you will never thirst again. That is what Jesus is getting at when he talks about, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. Uh, we need to understand that um, the good things of God, uh, they are there if we wait. Okay, next slide. Kids time. I had someone come up to me uh, last week, and I'll finish on time. I'm, we're, we're going good. Um, I had someone come up to me last week and said, Oh, Pastor Chris, your message was so good. But actually, I didn't understand it at all until we got to the kids' time. <laughs> this is like a, yeah, this is an adult. <laughs> so great, the kids' time is for the adults as well. Okay, so how do we explain this? Like, to, I think here's the question that we've got to ask, right? What does it mean to live with hunger? I mean, oh my goodness, if you're a kid, Right? And I know there's a whole bunch of kids here and high schoolers or even like, honestly, even like grown adults. It is tough to live with hunger, right? Let's go to the next slide. You know, it kind of feels like, oh my goodness, what do you mean I gotta wait? I'm hungry right now. Like, what, what is happening? And so, kids. Here is, and I don't know if you're going to fully get this, but here's my best chance to try and get it, all right? Um, if you get things now, so imagine you can't wait to get your... Um, your birthday present, okay? You can't wait to get a birthday present. You're like, oh my goodness, mom, dad, give me my birthday present now. I want my birthday present now. I know my birthday is like six months away, but give me my remote control helicopter thing now. And your parent goes, oh, my kid's hungry. Well, give it to him. 
and your parent gives it to you, do you know what's going to happen? You're going to play with it every day for a week, two weeks, three weeks, one month maybe. But your birthday is six months away. Then when your birthday comes, you're like, oh, my goodness, it's my birthday. Hey, mom, what did you get me? I'm like, oh, yeah, you had your birthday present ready. We're good. And on the day of your birthday, you're like, oh, my goodness. And you look at the remote control, flying, whatever, helicopter, and it's like broken or it's like a little eyeing there. And you're like, oh, it's my birthday, and I don't even like my present. It's my birthday. I don't even like my present because it's like... And Jesus is trying to say, when the time comes for your big party... That party day, by the way, is when you go up to heaven and go, oh my goodness, everything is true. Oh, the Bible is real. God is that day, that amazing day where you walk in, you go, all of eternity. Oh my goodness, it's my birthday and more. When you walk in and you realize you shortchanged all of that just so that you could, while you're here, have a few extra McDonald's. Like, oh my goodness. Blessed are you who are hungry now because when that day comes, that day where everyone is looking forward to, there is going to be a banquet that you won't even believe it. The kind of food that is going to be there. The kind of uh, prize is going to be huge, okay? That's what he's trying to get at. Okay, back to the adults. So, all right, that was my kid section. We're back to the adults. We're using adult language now. Okay, great. So, blessed are the poor. Next slide. Blessed are the poor. It's so that we would turn to God. The rich don't need anything. The poor need a needy, the dependent, right? That's what we covered. And so, blessed are the poor because they all turn to God. But blessed are the hungry, next slide, because they will wait on God. That's what he's trying to say. Like, blessed are the hungry because they can live with hunger and they will wait on God. They won't resolve it and fill their life up with stuff or something before God, because all of us have this inner craving. It's an inner craving for something, someone that can't actually be fulfilled ourselves. And that is God. If you're here in our services over Christmas and you're thinking something's missing, oh my goodness, the Beatitudes, they're for you. Because something is missing. We're all poor. And to some extent, we're all hungry. Even the person who has lots of stuff or eats a lot of food, they're eventually, they're hungry because we're never going to be satisfied outside of God. So it, let's answer this question then. Can you be happy 
without God. And what if following God doesn't make you happy? And what you have to understand about the Beatitudes is that Jesus is trying to say, truly happy. He's not trying to say, can you live a happy life? He's not trying to say, is it a happy day today? And the reason why next year is a focus on evangelism for us is, I think, because at a fundamental level, we as Christians believe people need the Lord. And that this world has actually substituted, in its hunger, has substituted other things. People need good quality coffee. People need whatever. And we put in other things. But our great commission, our great challenge is to go out, not to lecture people or to scold them or to bash them out, but out of genuine love and care and concern because of a truth that says this, people need the Lord ultimately. That drives us. And then secondly, what if following God doesn't make you happy? Oh my goodness. Jesus is already alluding to that. He turns around to his disciples who in their lifetime are going to suffer and die for the faith. And he's saying truly happy. We have to understand that the view of true happiness, truly happy, is more than even this world has to offer. That's why Isaiah 25, verse 9, next slide, ends like this. When it talks about that banquet in verse 6, it ends and it says, it will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have, what? We've waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. Or maybe a more modern way to say it would be the final verse in 10,000 reasons. Right? Uh, next slide. It, it goes like this. And on that day when my strength is failing and the end draws near and my time has come, because it will for all of us, still my soul will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forevermore. I think you can't talk about Christianity, you can't talk about true happiness without talking about the eternity that lies ahead. So my plea for you today is that we would not shortchange ourselves. You are going to maybe make a whole range of decisions over this holiday, over next year, about what are you going to wait for? What are you not going to wait for? Right? And my encouragement, just as Jesus' encouragement was, in when he says, truly happy are those who are hungry now, is it's okay to be hungry for good things. It's okay as a Christian. It's good for us to stay hungry, to live with hunger for the good thing that is to come. Father, I want to thank you so much for today. 
I pray that these words that you have penned down um, thousands of years ago, that they would echo in our hearts today. That as we go about our week, as we contemplate happiness over this month, I pray, Lord God, that you appoint us towards true happiness, uh, a true happiness that's not just superficial, uh, a happiness that is not just in the immediate uh, resolution of things, but that you would train us and you would teach us to be hungry for good things, hungry for your things, for you, hungry for you, Lord God. And so I pray for every person here, for every generation, from kids to adults to all of us, Lord God, I pray that you would teach us to wait on you, to wait on you and not to substitute you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. Come around next week. We do blessed are you who mourn.